Hey, happy Earth Day, everybody. I'm just going to give a minute for everybody to be on board here with us. I just wanted to say happy Earth Day. I hope everybody is having a wonderful day here in California. It's gorgeous outside, um, you know, which is uh, a bit of a disappointment because we're not really allowed to be outside much due to the way that we have treated the Earth. Hey, Andrea, thanks for being on today. So, hey, I'm glad to know that the, the stream is up. I hope everybody's been having a wonderful, wonderful Earth Day so far. Today, we are going to talk about Earth Day. We are going to just, you know what? There's always so much conversation about the difficulties that we face in the world. Today, I want to focus on solutions and approaches to uh, change the future through your everyday routine. Revolution through routine here on Earth Day. We're going to talk about some really simple and fun ways that you can change your everyday habits and help the earth all at the same time. So uh, welcome, everybody. This is episode 27 of the Conservation Conversation. Hey, Bruce, thanks for joining today. It's great to see you. I'm glad to see everybody here. And you know what? It's our world. Let's talk about it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Hey, Coralie. Thanks for joining. It's fantastic to see everybody today. Today, I wanted to go over a few interesting things that I've, I found. And, you know, we have to remember that um, we always talk about the fact that not only through revolution, through routine, can you change the world by how you do your day to day. But so many of us are doing that, that the world is changing in a positive direction. And we're all at home. Everybody has a lot of concerns over Corona. A lot of concerns over economy, a lot of concerns over when are we, what's going to happen, what's next. But you know what? <clears throat> the thing that we have forgotten a lot about uh, in the last month is the Earth. Uh, I have not even seen one post, actually, about the Earth on my Facebook feed. Um, you know, not that that's the, the modicum of news, but that is, you can tell what everybody's talking about. So it's a good thing that we have Earth Day. It's bringing us back to talk about the Earth, which is something that, uh, as in my quote, we all have in common. The earth is what we all have in common by Wendell Berry. And if you've never read any Wendell Berry, I highly encourage you to. There he is in front of some solar panels. And Wendell Berry, for a long time, has been a conservationist pushing for environmental change, all for the better. So, again, today, you know, normally we always talk about what's happening in the world, and we are going to discuss a few of the problems. But for the most part, I want to focus on solutions today because it's Earth Day. And tell me how what's happening in your part of the world. I would love to know uh, what kind of battles do you guys fight on a local level? What's happening over there? What are the major concerns in your neighborhood? And you know what? I almost forgot. I'm going to open up my Skype. If anybody wants to join me, feel free. You can Skype me at Eric E. Crown at ProtonMail.com. So uh, I'm open to have anybody join me today, and I would love that. So we will do that. Um, all right. So Skype will be up. And you know what? If you want to Skype me, just do me a favor. Put put a message on here or send me a message through my Facebook or any way you can get a hold of me. Pop, pop it right here on the screen. Tell me you want to talk to me and let's get you on camera. Uh, so <clears throat> today I wanted to just hear about how everybody's celebrating Earth Day as well. Um, I know a lot of us are stuck inside, but there's still a lot of people out doing cleanups beach cleanups, environmental cleanups. Oh, that's, uh, sorry about that. That is actually my timer for my um, 
cancer pill. Anyway, I already took it before we started, so not a problem. Uh, anyway, sorry, I don't mean to distract us from all that. <laughs> okay, so are we still on? Is everybody able to see me out there? Yeah, okay. Hey, Dave, thanks for being on today. And uh, so even before we jump into everything, I wanted to tell you guys, I'm very excited. I'm working with some guys at Peace Vision, peacevision.com. And they are really pushing to try to find a way to blend in a corporate sponsors with environmental protection and to find a way to create uh, an environmental awareness campaign, both of positivity and one that can sustain those of us that continue to try to make changes in the world. Uh, right now, we don't really have a platform for that. So Peace Vision is the first platform for that. And um, they don't even know I'm talking about them right now, but trust me, just go to peacevision.com. It's a beautiful thing they've got going on today. Uh, oh, Molly planted a mulberry tree. Fantastic. Molly, that's great. You know, there's a fantastic quote. <clears throat> they say that uh, the person that plants trees cares more about others than themselves. And uh, Molly, knowing you personally, I know that that is true because you are a water activist and you fight for everybody uh, instead of just focusing on the things that you need to. So um, it's, it makes sense to me that you would do that on Earth Day. That is a really, that's a solid commitment there. Molly also, uh, by the way, lives very naturally. Molly eats naturally. Molly, um, you know, is very focused on natural fruits, homeopathic um, medicines and everything else. So Coralie is another person that I know uh, that lives very organically. And Coralie, you celebrated Earth Day. That's great, planted peppers and herbs today. Ah. Fantastic, you know, hands in the dirt. There's nothing like the smell of dirt. When I was a kid, I liked it for a different reason, but you know, there's just nothing like it. When you're in your garden and you just have that smell of the earth, it's it's incredible, uh, you know. And that's one thing I loved about when I got to travel and go into very remote areas. Um, you know, it's interesting because there would you find areas with some upturned earth, and and that that's what I think is fascinating is that, you know, we, when you go outside. The earth doesn't necessarily have so much of a smell. At least I can't smell it. I smell the flowers. I smell the trees. I smell all those those aspects. But when the earth gets upturned or is used to grow and it starts to create the symbiotic relationship with all these other, uh, you know, these other things in the air and, and in the plants mechanisms that make all the plants grow, you get a special unique scent. And I absolutely love that. And, uh, oh, Andrea, thank you so much. Um, you know, and I agree. You know, I, I'm really glad that uh, Peace Vision is really into promoting how we can change the world. Because we can. We all know that we can. And actually, we're going to talk about that today because we have. I've got some wonderful, wonderful uh, examples of how we have already changed the world just through our revolution of routine. So um, let's see. Corley also planted uh, yeah, peppers and herbs. Mm. Corley. And Corley, do you have any tomatoes? Because I have to say tomatoes off the vine in the garden are probably some of my favorite things. They're also very good cancer-fighting <clears throat> foods. So I'm a big, big fan of that. And Coralie says, to plant a garden is to believe in tomorrow. That is beautiful. Beautifully said, Coralie. And you're an example for us. You know, we can all have our gardens there. So we, we should all think about the things that we can grow. You know, even if you just have a little herb box in your window, you can still grow your own fresh herbs. Hey, Camilla, thanks for joining us today over from the UK, it's great to have, and you know, Earth Day means the whole Earth, and it's fantastic because here at the Conservation Conversation, we have a lot of friends from everywhere, which is fantastic. 
So I think that, you know, it's really nice. Thank you for Andrea's joining us from Romania. Camilla's joining us from the UK. Uh, Coralie from the US. And I know uh, Bruce is, uh, I want to say, Scotland, if I'm correct. So, um, you know, it's fantastic to see everybody. And I know we have some viewers over in Cambodia. We have viewers in the Philippines, Hong Kong. Uh, I've got viewers in Canada, and it's really fantastic. Ah, Camilla says, don't mow a lawn, plant a garden. I like that. You know, I don't know if you guys saw the video we had on Facebook, but there's a patch of land that just kind of grew wild again versus this, um, <clears throat> this mowed lawn next to it. And one thing I thought was fascinating is although the mowed lawn was very beautiful, the natural growth had a bunch of dandelions in it. And dandelions, you know, are, are kind of known as the scourge of people that have lawns because they grow and then they, they move and then they replant themselves. How amazing is that? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's got to be one of the coolest things in nature. Just, you know, the wind comes or, you know, people say, make a wish. And you blow in the dandelion and it sends all those new seeds out, which grow new dandelions. And I believe as Coralie had brought out before <clears throat> that dandelions are one of the number one food sources for bees and one of the number one um, most important plants for bees. So here we are. Uh, see, ah, Camilla says it. Yes, dandelion, dandelions feed the bees. So thank you, Camilla. That is really important to remember. You know, the bees are collapsing. And here's one thing we can do. We cannot weed out our dandelions. Uh, it might not be the look you're going for, but it is, it's a, it, you know what? Saving the planet will be a good look <laughs> overall. And here's the thing, everybody. We can save the planet. You know, the coronavirus has has been the bad side of it, right? I mean, we, we've messed with nature so much that nature has fought back a bit and we're all in our homes right now. We're gonna have to rethink how we go back out into the world. And this is a wonderful opportunity for us to rethink how we interact with the world. And that is our revolution through routine and we can change everything. Uh, Coralie says, fighting with the neighbor because I don't spray my dandelions. Good, Coralie, nice. See, I like that. You've got to do that, you know? Um, it's really, it's, it's amazing. You know, you have to fight with your own neighbors. And the problem is we don't have a lot of nat nature education is something we have to learn. And either it's something you learn through the land you live near or your family, uh, or you learn it on your own when you're Googling stuff, but it's not really taught in schools. Um, the interconnectedness of the world is not taught in schools yet. Being as how schools don't teach compounded interest or how to do your taxes, it's not, or nutrition, it's not surprising, I guess, that we are unprepared to move into life um, and we have to go learn all the really important things for our own selves. And that's, but you know what, we live in this amazing time where we have that opportunity and we have everybody that can educate each other, which is really important. Curly says, Hatfield McCoy, shade happening. <laughs> um, yeah, Curly, I almost want to spray the neighbor. So that is, you know, there you go right there. Um, if people would let their grass grow and seed, grass seed would be so wouldn't be so expensive or even needed. Good point, Molly. It's fascinating that we have to go out and buy seeds to have the things that just are naturally there. Um, and, you know, the seeds are, are an important, interesting thing. You know, there's a lot of seed banks that are developing um, for an exact situation like this, where we might, you know, it could be one of the most important parts of our future. Uh, now, you know, one thing I wanted to talk about today uh, Dave says, Heather Rinker learned through the family hands-on, multi-generational. And, you know, uh, Dave and Heather are fascinating. They, they work on the Dominion Tug up in Seattle, uh, up in Bremerton. And um, they 
are devoted to sustainable living. Uh, Dave has been, his passion has been to restore and teach history and teach future understanding of nature through historing a 1940s old tugboat that's entirely made of wood, and it's amazing. And Heather has her own uh, homeschooling and homesteading where she has multi-generations living on a home farm. Now, Dave and Heather are actually going to be starting a podcast that's also going to be an educational um, educational class that you can sign up and have your kids join in. So it's really cool because now more than ever, we have ability to teach our kids sustainability and to teach our kids what we've learned from our relatives. You know, my, my relatives personally were farmers that were in um, Illinois. So my mom and a lot of my family has a very important connection to farming. Uh, you know, uh, the family farm has had, has had, unfortunately had to be sold due to the economics of farming. And that's another thing is, you know, when we talk about farming, we have to remember that in a lot of times in America, we're not talking about small farmers. And if we are talking about small farmers, we have to really separate them because most farmers now are industrial agriculture size and they use so much fertilizer that they are really offering a lot of problems, whether you're eating the fertilizer at home or they're pump dumping the fertilizer into the soil. And as Molly says, no chemical fertilizers. It's not good for anybody. Um, and the problem is, is we're supposed to have uh, some people within the government that are set up as sort of watchdogs for us. Now, I want everybody to just realistically understand, regardless of your political belief, that all of those people are gone. And uh, the EPA, um, actually um, removed itself just about two weeks ago. And I'm only taking this from the EPA's website. So this is not any from journalism. This is the EPA website. EPA announces enforcement discretion policy for COVID-19 pandemic. Now, they, what they've done is basically suspended all rules and all inspections. So one, one of, this is one of my fascinating parts of this website that I couldn't believe I read. They talked to us like we're idiots and they were saying that um, we don't really need to have inspections uh, because everybody does a great job. So um, and that they're not going to enforce any of the rules. That means the Clean Water Act is gone. The Clean Air Act is gone. Every protection you have had that's been built and baked into the law since the 1950s is gone. Is gone. So they say, for example, under the policy, EPA does not expect to seek penalties for noncompliance with routine monitoring and reporting obligations that are a result of the COVID-19 pandemic, but does expect operators of public water systems to continue to ensure the safety of our drinking water supplies. So um, basically what they're saying is that they are, everyone can just test their own things. You know, um, we're not they're basically saying that we are not going to enforce anything as long as COVID is an issue. Now, they have already mentioned that they're planning on extending these uh, way past the winter time over here in the States. So now, Molly, EPA never helped anyway. No great loss. You know, good point. But at the same time, Molly, uh, I have to stand up a little bit for the EPA. They were created by Richard Nixon, um, but way back in the day. And they are the ones that were able to pull back all of the pollution. Now, the problem is they're not allowed to give out permits. They're only allowed to enforce laws and regulations. Now, the EPA brought, they're the only ones that have ever, ever even brought many of these companies to task. And that includes Mosaic for their, um, for their handling of emissions. Uh, there was a $2 billion 
fine levied on Mosaic, which unfortunately um, was never enforced. Now, this is where we're coming back to. Now the EPA is gone. So who's going to enforce it? Nobody. Um, you know, there's a place called Cancer Alley that's very important to me that it's going to be part of my next project. And that place has so much air and water emissions. But the EPA continually goes out, inspects, and keeps a monitor on it. Now we're going to lose our actual understanding of what's happening because it's all going to be self-reported. We have this dangerous issue, at least in America right now, where we're going to expect the bad guys to regulate themselves, which makes no sense. Um, and it never has worked. And unfortunately, the EPA has backed off. So we have a cancer in the body politic. The only people that could step in on our behalf have put their tail between their legs and ran away. And that is thanks to Andrew Wheeler, who I believe is one of the biggest criminal, um, environmental criminals out there right now. Andrew Wheeler has dismantled the Clean Water Act. This means that any company can dump anything they want into rivers. Rivers are where you get your drinking water and your tap water. And they're not set up because they don't know all the chemicals that come from these companies. They're not set up to clean them. They're only set up to clean one or two chemicals, which means that you find that when you, there are factories and areas that are dumping these chemicals, you have a higher birth defect and higher cancer rates in children. This is unconscionable, and this is part of my mission and something that we, I think we all want to stop. Um, and one of the first steps is being able to have a legal platform to do that with. Uh, EPA is gone. Um, so, yeah, and you know what, Molly, I agree 100%. They should go to jail. They are endangering people. Um, Corley says, but other than my own bubble, I'm trying to fight coal and gas plant gasification and the destruction of a local forest for another massive corridor highway. Ah, you know, the people in Florida are going through that right now, too. Um, corridor buildings. Terrible, terrible. Uh, unfortunately, no town halls right now making politicians more able to push through these sight unseen. And you know what? You're absolutely right, Corley. And so let's talk about solutions. <clears throat> this brings up a perfect thing. Your solution is whoever you want to vote for inside of your political party. How are they with the environment? You know, we, we, we always say this, you know, we ask that it would be fantastic if everybody were to not look at their politician, uh, not to look at the environment through the lens of their political party, but to rate each and every one of their politicians through the lens of the environment and how they voted. Now, you can do that at the League of Conservation Voters. I was trying to see if I could bring the website up for everybody here. Um, League of Conservation Voters. Now that, and I'm gonna put these uh, websites up for everybody, but when you go to the League of Conservation Voters, you will see everybody in each political party, how they voted, um, and I think that you really, it's a really amazing, um, it's an amazing, amazing uh, website. And one thing we can do is we can make conscious choices to vote for the environment. And there's two ways to vote for the environment of conservation voters. And you can go check out how your people voted and decide to find the best environmental representatives for your party. I think it would be, I mean, we'd all have an interest in doing that. Uh, hey, Heather, nice to see you on here today. And uh, Heather, what are you guys doing for Earth Day today? You guys kind of live Earth Day every day. And that's another thing I wanted to bring up. What I love about everybody here today, all these names that I see, we all live 
Earth Day every day. And, uh, you know, I think that's what we get excited. We want everybody else to do it, <laughs> you know. Um, and Molly's right. If it's not in their backyard, they don't care. And Molly, you know, not only that, if it's not in their backyard, they don't care. And if they're not getting money from the special interest groups, they don't care. So politicians are super problematic. Now, they're also very much like these industries. They're also some of the people that we need on our side. The question is, how do we get politicians and corporations to align with us? It's complicated. Um, there's no easy way to do it. But one way we can do it is by forcing them to pay attention to us because what we buy makes all the difference in the world. Now, one way you can vote with your is with your dollar. You can go to a thing called Bicot and Bicot.com. Bicot's awesome. So you vote with your wallet. You can um, take a look at it. You can download it for free. And Bicot is, I, I really like it. I personally use it all the time. Um, so what Bicot does is Bicot actually goes on your phone. I'll, just, I'll show you guys on my phone. And once you have you know, you're, you, you put in everything that's an important campaign for you. Then you can use a, a, a barcode. So, for example, I have some raisins here. So I'm going to scan this barcode. And it's going to tell me if, it's, um, if it goes with my philosophies or not. So it's just that simple. When you're out shopping, if you have Bicot, you can make sure that, you know, this doesn't contain palm oil or this is vegan or this has a fair trade practice to it. We all live by different ethics and we all need to buy with those ethics. It's really funny. Every time we, we boycott something, people say, money, ah, you know, your vote doesn't count. Your dollar doesn't matter, but it does. Now, one of the great examples that I wanted to use today was the very controversial Canada Goose. Now, so many people have been angry with Canada Goose because they use new coyote fur, which means that they raise and kill sentient coyotes for the purpose of having a collar on a jacket. Now, this may have been a great idea when Nanooka the North needed to survive and had animal fur, but you know, there's none of us out there that are that connected to the earth that we need to go, you know, um, be wearing animals to survive. Does bring up a very important question that uh, somebody's brought up to me before. And it's a question that's weighed on my mind. You know, when I was in Romania, they said, well, you know, it's very cold here. So what do you want us to wear? Do you want us to wear animals or plastic? Leather or plastic? Um, it's very difficult. Um, obviously not animals, but how do we fix the plastic problem? You know, um, but it is a very important thing because in the end, People have those two choices. So we have to, we're, we're telling them don't do either of them, but we still have to find solutions. How do we do that? We elect people that care about the environment. That's your one way to do it. Your second way, vote with your dollar. You know, vote with your dollar. <clears throat> Tell companies what you want because companies will bend to it. And I have a really positive story about that I want to share with everybody. This is from Samsung. Now, Samsung has a new innovative thing that they have decided to turn their boxes into reusable so that you can turn them into a cat house afterwards. So once you buy your Samsung TV, 
you have your giant box, you can turn it into a cat house and they'll play with it for, for quite a while. It's really, it's really cool. And, you know, they also had this idea. This is from their uh, most recent innovations. And if you look there, you can see that the uh, little table and the little rack for the magazines and the cat house are all from the box. Um, you know, now, I mean, some people may or may not want to reuse in this way, but I think this is a very inventive, no waste approach. And the motto has always been reuse, reduce, recycle. Now, we know there are some issues with recycling, which we will talk about, but I just thought that was a fantastic, positive story. Samsung has been listening to what's happening out there. And although they can't do a lot of stuff, they are at least trying to change these boxes. Um, and uh, hey, Barbara, thanks for joining today. It's great to see you here on Earth Day, another Earth Warrior who I'm always, always inspired by. Uh, Bruce says, don't buy Coca-Cola. Bruce, absolutely. They recently said that um, everybody, they, everybody petitioned for them to stop using plastic. And Coke basically blatantly said, well, pff, we're going to do it anyway. I saw Coca-Cola plastic bottles in the middle of the Amazon. We were on a boat for three days and didn't see another human but I counted over 20 Coca-Cola plastic bottles. Now, this also brings to light a very important thing about plastic is plastic is only used by manufacturers because the cost of recycling and the cost of dealing with the toxicity of what it is afterwards is not factored into the sale of plastic, which generally comes in things called nurdles, which are these little teeny dots of plastic. And the U.S. manufactures the most amount of nurdles in the world. So we create all the plastic. So if you want to talk about the plastic problem, forget about those memes and videos you've seen about the Asian countries being the problem. The U.S. is the problem. We create too much plastic and the cost of it is pennies because the cost of having to deal with it on the outcome is not factored in. One responsible thing that we could all push for would be to make plastic manufacturers have to do that. You know, when you buy your your sodas and stuff, they make you do a CRV right? Like you have a, a lot of times a little bit of money added onto it that you get back if you go and you, you put the bottle in. Not saying it's the same kind of thing, but we should demand that the cost, the true cost of the plastic pollution that we're dealing with, whether that's all the beach cleanups, all the recycling programs, all of the everything that we put money into, the recycling thing, we have bins here for recycling, all that money is being paid by the taxpayers. Why are we paying for allowing a plastics company to make a huge profit gap. It's one more example of why industry cannot be self-regulated. They will kill us literally for a dollar. And that's not the way we want to do that. We're done with that. You know, that was, everybody was cool with that back in the, the 30s. Nobody knew any different. We all know and it's so much different now. Camilla says, I wish, I wish children could be taught the meaningful, purposeful, and rewarding benefits of upcycling. Fantastic. That's exactly it. So many don't appreciate, aren't even aware of the energy sources involved in production. Great point. Upcycling, another fantastic way to do that, you know. Uh, and again, the Samsung has, I think, really hit it on that. You know, um, again, it goes back to the mantra, you know, um, reduce, reuse, recycle. So we have three ways to go about it. Is recycling perfect? Definitely not. Um, why does recycling not work? Because once again, the cost of it goes back to us and not the plastic manufacturers, which I just think is nuts. 
and um, you know what, what they do is so okay we'll we'll collect all of our plastics then we have a deal to send it over to China usually because China is such an advanced country they're one of the only countries that has the technology to turn plastic into polyester so the way it goes we create the plastic we sell it around the world we collect our plastic we sell it to everybody else mostly the Chinese buy it and then turn it into polyester clothing and then send it back to America and we get we, we get it for cheap at Walmart or whatever so polyester fascinating as plastic then when you're done with polyester you don't think of it as a piece of plastic so you don't throw it in a recycle bin right so you know um, just something to consider when you're shopping you know you might want to consider trying to buy cotton or stay away from um, from polyester type things because it is plastic now uh, aside from the EPA walking away and as at the moment America has zero environmental laws so please go to the League of Conservation Voters and look at who the people are on your platform and your party that want to get elected this year and you know they have you have their ear we, we have this beautiful beautiful time right now it's the only time politicians care what we have to say <laughs> so let's take advantage of it let's raise our voice for our children and our grandchildren let's forget about what we care about right now forget about your tax break forget about your blah 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 think about which politicians are going to help your chill your grandchildren's children not be born with cancer um so anyway Andrea says we need some infrastructure to recycle unfortunately we still have a lot of work to do on that here in Romania. you know and that's true. a lot of countries don't even have those things into play yet um, and it's difficult although I will say when I was in Romania one thing that's beautiful is instead of plastic bags they have um, actually biodegradable plastic bags and they're not even biodegradable they're composting uh, again if if everyone just so everybody knows this um, biodegradable does not mean it will disappear biodegradable means that a, a, a thing a piece of plastic some of the polymers will break down over a certain amount of time under a certain amount of specific conditions generally those conditions that allow them to be registered as biodegradable involve intense heat inside of a recycling plant so um most of what it says is biodegradable is not compostable on the other hand you can throw it in your backyard and uh you know in a couple of years it's going to be feeding your dirt and feeding your worms so remember to buy compostable and remember the biodegradable doesn't matter so much um so that that's one really important thing and they have these bags that are compostable in Romania so one thing they're doing which is really smart they're, they're saying okay we don't have the public social structures to put in millions of dollars to clean up the plastic from these plastic manufacturers and our citizens that are just into this single-use life but if they're gonna have single-use life then let's stop giving them plastic bags that they need to recycle and give them plastic bags that are compostable so fantastic innovative solution you know and and that's what we have we have a series of challenges every one of our countries faces and we have to have these smart solutions that start from the source so i wanted to now read a, uh, a little bit so in the u.s not only has the epa disappeared um but 
another interesting one is the FDA. Now, the FDA in the coronavirus has suspended its inspections, and they already suspended 80% of the inspections, which means that places like Smithfield, where it went from zero to 700 coronavirus cases in a day, and meatpacking plants where everyone's getting sick and still being forced to go. Uh, and I, was, I actually read a quote by Smithfield, and they said that they wanted to just let everybody know that uh, coronavirus doesn't live on meat very long and it doesn't stay on plastic very long. <laughs> now, that's a fantastic quote, but I don't know who told them that. And I don't know if there's any science to back that up. As a matter of fact, when the coronavirus first came out, people were saying, be careful of plastic because it'll actually live on there. So anyway, the FDA, this is from their website. Again, I'm, I don't like to use news sources very often because usually they'll be slanted one way or the other, but this is from the horse's mouth. Uh, these are about their inspections. And what upsets me is the FDA says, however, inspections are not what cause quality to happen. So the people that are supposed to be making sure our food is safe inside of this country have the attitude that inspections are not important. How crazy is that, right? Is it just me? I don't know. So let me just read from their website. This can include, among other things, this is what they're going to do instead of inspections. They say, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. Coronavirus. Um, we're going to suspend our inspections. And instead of inspections, we can inspect remotely. That, this can include, among other things, evaluating records in lieu of conducting on-site inspection on an interim basis when travel is not permissible when appropriate whatever that means. In fact, inspections are just one part of a robust and multi-pronged approach to overseeing the safety and quality of the FDA-regulated products. However, inspections are not what cause quality to happen. Safety and quality need to be owned by the industry and firms have the primary responsibility to reliably produce quality products. For example, the medical product and food industries we regulate are subject to certain reporting requirements about their facilities and must adhere to curtain current good manufacturing practice. So what that means is nothing. What I just read to you is it just, in, in all honesty, a load of crap. Uh, <laughs> just to say it quite honestly. Um, what they're telling us is this company, Smithfield Foods, is supposed to ensure no COVID in their meat. And instead, Smithfield Foods says, don't worry, it doesn't stay long. <laughs> Meanwhile, everybody's going there and the poor people that have to work there are getting sick like crazy. Zero to 700 cases in the plant in one day. You know, it, this is a virus that catches. People catch it. We've understood this now. People that didn't believe in it, like Boris Johnson, went around a bunch shaking hands and caught it right away. I mean, it's just, it's happening. Whether people have a belief as to why it's happening may, may be different. But it is happening. So anyway, that's where we are. The people that are supposed to be in charge have said, let the violators and the polluters be in charge. So because we don't have an EPA anymore and because we've lost our FDA, uh, we need to find ways to do it ourselves. It's we, we don't have the luxury anymore to trust these bodies. These bodies are independent of parties. These bodies are all we had and no longer what we have. And again, it's what I call the cancer of the body politic and every single country has this same problem. So we're not, we're unfortunately and sadly, we're not unique in that way. Um, so 
Okay, so anyway, I just want, let's continue to go over some fantastic uh, positive things. So there's a couple great tips for Earth Day I wanted to share with everybody. These are four simple alternatives and the plastic waste you can save. If you just use one reusable bag, that replaces 700, over 700 plastic bags. That is cool. So when you are thinking about, do I want to spend my money on a reusable bag and spend $5? Please do. Again, you're voting. You're voting. If you just, if everyone used reusable bags, they wouldn't have this plastic bag problem that we have. And for those people that are behind plastic bags, I don't understand this. A lot of my friends in Florida were very, in a very embroiled in a very controversial thing where they, they were trying to ban plastic bags and then the government tried to ban the ban on plastic bags. And then it became a politicized weapon um, saying the plastic bags meant freedom. They don't. They mean death to the environment. So again, please do not view the environment through the lens of your political party, but please judge your politicians through the lens of the environment and five generations of your family to come. Uh, one reusable bottle, fantastic, removes 83 plastic bottles, plastic bottles as we know, scourge of the world. Notice all the scourge of the world really is plastic. And again, we are the major producers, so we need to grab hold of this somehow. One reusable cup, and I love reusable cups, equals 1,256 cups, that's insane. Uh, this is one, one that I use, um, it's stainless steel which um, if you're familiar with stainless steel, also they make uh, straws out of stainless steel. The reason being stainless steel is surgical grade steel, which means that it, it also has a little bit of intentional perfections on the metal itself. It, that's where bacteria adheres. So surgical, um, surgical grade stainless steel means that there are absolutely no little dings or marks anywhere the bacteria can hide. So um, stainless steel cups, fantastic. I love the Yeti. It's a beautiful one. Um, big fan, big fan of it. And I don't, I'd love to know what you guys use as well because there's always a way to, uh, to do that. Um, oh, hey, hey mom, this uh, Sally there. My mom lives in the country and they have a very strict recycling program, but they have a recycling program and it's a wonderful thing. And although it's faced a lot of challenges, um, they've been able to do it. And my mom's very adamant about recycling and it's important. You know, it's important. I mean, she lives in a, in a place that, and, and, you know, I want to say this too. She lives in a place that's ready to have the cleanest water in America. And I'm not even giving it that moniker. It actually won that in the water competition that they have for clean water. So they're doing something right out there. Um, they, you know, people out there love the country and they maintain the country and they don't view the country as just a resource that they can just use, 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 and then throw away and then it's all done. People that have been there for generations understand that we have to continue to reuse the land. You know, the, the piece of land you're on was used a thousand years ago by somebody else and, and it's going to be used in a thousand years by somebody. And what we do with that land is really critical. Um, so my mom, of course, uh, raise me to always try to leave it better than you found it. And that's what I try to do with the earth. And my mom's the one that taught me about revolution through routine. You know, um, what we do every day, the choice we make, how we speak to somebody can affect their day and how they affect their day is how it's going to affect the next day and the next person and the next person. So, you know, um, just like the coronavirus, a smile can, can pass just as, as, as far and just as wide and just as strong. 
So, you know, um, we have to remember that in the face of everything, we have to keep the positivity. That's why today we're focusing on solutions. And that's, again, you know, um, I want to, I'm going to put some of these websites up for everybody. Check some of these solutions out because there are so many great solutions uh, that are out there. We have these great resources available to us. Excuse me. So everybody, please, um, you know, if you can jump in, let us know that what's happening in your area and how, what, you know, what, what kind of uh, problems do you face? Because every country, every town faces a problem where the polluters are, it's baked into the system, are allowed to continue polluting. You know, I mean, coronavirus shows us that they don't really have a good handle on the systems. And, and you know, it's a perfect time to, for us to renew and revive and change the way that we live. Uh, Coralie says, can ha hardly go outside in Indiana right now with the bean and cornfield spraying chemicals. Oh, jeez. And that is, you know, I know there were some towns in Illinois um, where they actually banned using um, tap water because there's so much pesticide and, and fertilizer going through, you know. And, and again, why people always say, well, you know, why do you not like GMO stuff? Well, the problem that I have with it personally is it leads to excessive fertilizer use. Uh, and GMOs generally only are, are allowed to respond to certain types of fertilizers. And those fertilizers are generally sold by the similar, if not the same manufacturers uh, and are highly toxic. So farming itself has changed and the land itself has changed. And, you know, we're, we're all connected. We know this now through water. So the runoff from a farm is going to get into your river supply in the same way that the runoff from a factory is going to get into your river supply. And your little town is going to pull from that river into your town's um, water recycling plant, where mostly they just have chlorine and they just dump it with chlorine into excessive chlorine. Um, though, so, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, so, you know, it's something to remember. Whatever's happening upstream affects all of us downstream. And, uh, you know, the rich, 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 rich live upstream, but even the richest guy lives downstream of the wealth of a factory. So the factories are always going to be upstream. And, you know, this is in, in plastics, we talk about upstream and downstream solutions. Upstream solutions mean that you stop it at the factory. Downstream solutions are real expensive for taxpayers. That means that you do beach cleanups, you do cleanups for the city, you do other cleanups, you do all this stuff, you, you create recycling programs, all this stuff costs money. And again, it is all us taxpayers paying the bill for the plastic manufacturers. And it's just, it just goes down to that. It boils down to that. Um, so and there we go. Uh, so, uh, so anyway, some of the websites that we have that can help you guys out today, the League of Conservation Voters, beautiful website. It's not biased towards any party. So whichever party you're in, just do us a favor and pick the best people in it, please. <laughs> pick the best representatives for the environment. Because if, if we can just have on both sides, people that are, if, could you imagine if we had like five people fighting on each side and all of them had good environmental records, then we could stop worrying about the environment and we could focus on other aspects of their political, um, of their political ambitions. But anyway, for me, all I care about is environmentalism. I don't care about the party itself. I don't care who the person is. I just want to know their environmental voting record. 
And again, you can find that now, and that's how you can make a difference. Remember, we've been talking about it. You can make a difference in your personal life by buying things that are helpful and that, you know, use buycott.com, look at your products, see what you want. Hey, Emma, thanks for joining us over from the UK. Um, and, you know, Bicot can really help out. So one way you can vote is with your dollar. The second way you can vote is with your vote. And so we've gone over a little bit about ways that you can find products that adhere to your ethical or your way that you live. And everyone has a different approach to that. So we don't need one. It's not a one size fits all. That's the thing about conservation. It's not one size fits all. We all have different needs. And we all have different areas and we all have different uh, ways that we see the world and we all have different things that we're willing to accept or not accept when we buy products. The only way you can do it is to personalize and buy according to your ethics. Forget about what everybody else says. I'm not going to tell you what to buy or what I think is good or whatever. Go to Bicot and you can choose from like 60 different campaigns that will inform you if you're buying stuff that violates your personal ethics. And everything you buy is a vote for the future. Uh, we've seen that. And as a matter of fact, here's a good one. Oh, you know what? We actually forgot one reusable straw will save 300 plastic straws. I wanted to bring that up because there are fantastic reusable straws that are made out of bamboo, stainless steel, silicone. I personally have a bamboo straw that was given to me in Cambodia. I still use it and I love it. It's fantastic. You can wash it. It's, it's you know, it's better than having those straws. Now, some people might need um, bendable straws. There's a lot of people that are in wheelchairs, a lot of people that need straws. And I don't want it, you know, but the thing is, do they need plastic straws? I mean, a silicone straw bends just the same. So if we can remove the use of plastic anywhere where we can, and it's not to say that we can fully, because there are plastic products that we need. Um, you know, one great example are gloves. I mean, these are plastic products we need. So what do we do? We need to, we need to take more control of them. If we stop making so many stupid plastic bags and, and, and littering the entire environment with them and killing animals with them on, on a very high level, then maybe we could control what plastics use. Maybe we should consider plastic what it is, which is a toxic element. You know, they're not allowed to just make like acid and just sell it and throw it everywhere. You know, there are things under strict regulation. And why isn't plastic. Now I bring this up too because, uh, oh, Bruce, bamboo toothbrush. Absolutely. Bruce, I'm the same. I have a, uh, I use a, a bamboo toothbrush. Uh, bamboo is a wonderfully sustainable, consistently growing, wonderful, wonderful base for anything. Um, and bamboo is really, really great. Oh, hey, Megan, thanks for joining us today. Megan's another water warrior down in Florida. And uh, it's great to see you on here today, Megan. I hope you and your family are having a great Earth Day. And thank you guys for joining us today. Um, and Megan, if you have any great tips that you'd like to share about ways that you, uh, you know, teach your kids or ways that you guys at home try to make it a little bit more eco-friendly, let us know. Um, also, I saw that you guys had a little bunny that had a baby and it's the cutest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Telling you, think you've seen it all and then something cuter shows up and it gives you cute aggression. Anyway, I'm, si I'm sidetracking. Um, but I did want to tell you, say bamboo is fantastic. Bamboo is very sustainable. And here's another thing I'd like to bring up. Plastics. So let's go back on plastics for a second. There are a lot of, of important, 
again, there are people that need plastics. Um, people that are in wheelchairs have a lot of plastic products. People that have medical problems have a lot of plastic products issues. Um, plastic in a lot of ways can be used for sanitary reasons and, and can help a lot of people. So we, well, we don't want those people to suffer because we don't want plastics, but we do need to control them more. One thing I've noticed is being a vegan, um, I've been, I've wanted to, to uh, buy different stuff. You know, uh, oh, I'm going to buy some fake turkey today. It comes in plastic. I want to buy some fake cheese. It comes in plastic. So I am saving the animals today. But I am killing them in the future because these plastics are going back out into landfills, into the water. So, um, you know, the vegan movement, uh, I think it still has a lot it can do. And I argue with a lot of people about this, but I think it's important. It's incumbent upon all of us, no matter what your beliefs are, to try to raise the bar a little bit, you know? So um, again, the we got to save the animals today the best we can, and we got to save the animals we can in the future the best we can. I think it's a very, very important aspect to bring up. So, um, you know, I think that, that it's really something that, you know, we want to talk about. So what do you do with plastics, with plastics, paints, and all this stuff? I wanted to show you all a fantastic website that I like to use a lot. You know, I was just cleaning out, and I have all these weird things from my campaigns. I have, for example, a mosquito net. And I thought, do I recycle mosquito nets? What do you do with them? Mine is a big hole in it. Um, some of the places I go, I can't really go back out with a mosquito net like that. And so I thought, how do I do this? And then I found this website called Earth 911, and it's awesome, everybody. Go to this website, earth911.com. You can choose literally any type of thing that, you are, uh, that you're needing. Oh. So, for example, they will tell you what kind of paint you can reuse. I didn't know they had even had recyclable paint. You can go buy recycled paint. Uh, it's just the same thing as new paint. It's incredible. If you're not familiar with ever heard of it till I went to Earth 9. You can literally look up anything that you want and it'll tell you where to buy it, how to get it in a in a in a um in an earth-friendly fashion. Okay, sidebar. If you guys want uh, just tell you a silly story real fast. Um we're deep in the Amazon and I had never used a mosquito net before. I had never even gone camping before I went to the Amazon. So, I bought this mosquito net. I knew I'd need it. And we hadn't really used mosquito nets, you know, a lot of mosquitoes, whatever. We're out on the river. We've been on the river for, I don't know if some of my friends on here may know this. Um, we were on the river for like maybe a week at this point, and we're getting really bit up. So all of a sudden, we have a bit of a problem, and there's a leak in our boat. And our boat is just basically made out of wood, and it's got a long engine. It's not like a boat like you guys think of, you know, like you got have to take it into the, into the marina and park it. It's not a boat, <laughs> that kind of power anyway we're on there and um and all of a sudden the mosquitoes are so bad so everybody pulled out their their nets and i had never used one so i just wrapped myself in the mosquito net and uh it did not help me at all i i we we all got 20 minutes of sleep and then we would wake up because we were on a rotation if we had to continually bail water out of our boat or we were going to sink so we all had these 20 minute sleeping shifts and uh, it was just fine. I remember putting my mosquito net on, waking up and being covered and like, you know, almost swollen shut with like mosquitoes. So that's when I learned you have to hang them. <laughs> anyway, if you have a mosquito net, don't throw it away. Go to Earth 911. There's fantastic ways. You can either recycle or upcycle. There's fantastic programs in Africa that will take your mosquito nets. They'll go through 
on them, they will repurpose them and they'll get them back out to people. So there are beautiful ways. Everything we have that's toxic can be turned into something positive. And I think it's, we have to remember that, you know, um, revolution through routine, everybody. That's, you know, that's, that's my mantra. And I firmly believe we can do that. I mean, it's all we can do. It's all we can do. Um, and that, that's what it is. You know, uh, Megan says, contact your favorite brands and demand eco-friendly packaging. Megan, I love that idea. And I agree a hundred percent. Um, and you know, uh, and Megan, we had talked about it before too. If you go to bycott.com, you can check out in your store, any of products you buy against, and you can use it to check your products against any campaign that you're passionate about. Um, try to get eco-friendly packaging. There are a few vegan companies that are trying to do it. People have been talking about it more and more, but we have to remember, and especially now the coronavirus is happening. Um, you know, let's talk a little bit about these respirator masks. You know, a lot of people are, you know, the nurses and doctors of course need those, but there are people with these giant plastic, you know, giant respirator things. Um, and, and there, it's a little, there's a huge sale of plastics. Now everybody needs a mask, obviously right now there's a lot going on. Um, and we're going to have more uh, zoonotic diseases occurring because we are still not rapidly changing and we're not actually paying enough attention to shut down all the wet markets in New York City or Los Angeles or Chicago. So, you know, we're going to have more outbreaks and we're going to be, this may be a way of life for us. If you can, one thing, I don't know, I'm sure everybody's very aware by now, but when you're talking about masks, you're talking about a regular surgical mask, which basically would prevent you breathing out onto somebody. Then you have an N95 rating, which means that it prevents 95% of the particles that would enter into your mask. Uh, and then there's an N99 mask. And N99 stops 99.6% of the particles. And when I was overseas, uh, you know, a lot of people in Vietnam, Cambodia, and a lot of the very crowded cities, Hong Kong, uh, all wear masks. It's just something you do when you're out and you're riding your scooter, you're wearing a mask, you know it's polluted, you're not delusioned. You know, we, we still like to pretend here that we're not polluted because we can't always see it. We now know that there's pollution. We now know that our, we affect the environment, the environment affects us. So if, if you're gonna buy a mask, I just would say, if it's possible, you can look up sustainable N99 masks they're maybe 20 or 30 bucks. They come with um, changeable filters that are generally made out of cotton or are washable. So you can find ways to get a mask, stay safe, and not destroy the environment with a disposable plastic mask. Um, now, I know that it, that's not that simple at the moment, but I just want to throw it out there. You know, if, if you want, Get online, you'll find them. They're over there. They're, they're not all sold out just yet. There are companies over in Asia that are still making them and a lot of other places because they're in high demand there. I mean, they were in high demand before the coronavirus kicked in. So, um, you know, I just want to throw that out there as, as, as a possibility for everybody. Uh, Camilla says, love the site for finding those things to buy. Was looking for vegan, eco-friendly paint the other day. Always good to share where to buy from. Yeah, and Camilla, it's, it's fantastic. Again, I didn't even know about recycled paint. I have some leftover paint in my apartment and I thought, what am I gonna do with this? And you know, so that's, and again, that's, you know, when I was growing up, the mentality was you throw everything in the dumpster and that somebody will figure it out. But we've come to know over time that there's nobody out there figuring it out. It's totally up to us, you know? It's what we call the, um, the upstream solution, the downstream solution, which means it starts with us. Now, 
that kind of brings me to um, another thing is everybody talks about our carbon footprint, but but what is your carbon footprint, right? I mean, I don't know how to really gauge it, to be honest. I, I feel like it's a term everyone throws around, you know, um, by the carbon pass, it'll offset your carbon footprint when you fly. Uh, if you guys don't know what a carbon pass is, um, you can buy them from most airlines. And what that does is you, you put a little bit of money in. And I think that the, I don't know why the airlines don't do it and why it's still on us. Again, we need to have cooperation with these companies, but it allows that what they do is they take the money and they buy things like additional trees and they do things to try to offset the carbon that is used through flights. Um, let's see. And Megan says, please mention that those purchasing and using PPE understand cross-contamination. Otherwise, they're simply using stock that is desperately needed in healthcare. Please do it right or not at all. Help your healthcare workers. Yes, Megan, fantastic point. Fantastic point. Um, everybody needs to, I, for example, here in Los Angeles, people half listen. So I'm walking Marty and we're out walking and I passed about seven people. One of them even bumped into me. And just because they're wearing a little surgical mask and, you know, they're not they're not needed. They're not doing that. And they're they're not. And so the one that bumped into me, it's kind of like people feel now that if they just put their shirt over their thing, that they're invincible. So, you know, we, it's given us sort of this false sense of security. And right now, again, guys, those masks and especially those PPE and especially those disposable ones are heroes AKA our healthcare workers need those. We can buy reusable, we can buy sustainable, we can buy cotton-based. We don't need as a panic to go out and buy those. We need our healthcare workers to have those. And as we've seen, um, you know, they're not really set up for this, unfortunately. Um, this has uh, been an amazing thing to see happen. Uh, I have a lot of relatives that work in healthcare and I have a lot of friends that are in healthcare. And uh, these are, you know, they always say that, that heroes don't always wear capes. Um, I've always believed that uh, healthcare workers are always heroes, you know, whether they're out in ambulances or they're working in hospitals, they're always on the front line. Uh, and it's kind of, it's really the most selfless job that you can have. And a lot of them are even putting their own health at risk to try to save patients. And I think that they are truly, truly our heroes. I don't understand why, you know, the politicians are kind of at war with them right now. It seems a little crazy to me. Uh, we should be praising them and we should be supporting them. And I love seeing in all these countries, um, people doing cheers for them at a particular time, um, you know, uh, as a way to say thanks. And I think that's really beautiful. And they're very important. And they're very important and they are our heroes. So thank you. Anybody that's watching right now that is out there. And, and I want to say that the essential workers are also heroes. And it's interesting because, you know, a lot of us work check to check. And a lot of us are looked down upon because of that. You know, I like I make environmental documentaries. I work on document. I, I'm a passionate conservationist. Um, but I have another job, too. And, you know, I don't it's like conservation. You do it because you have a passion for it. It's not always a paycheck. So, you know, a lot of us work really hard and we are essential workers. And thank goodness 
that the people that used to be looked down upon are now being called essential. And now they deserve to be treated as essential workers, not disposable workers that they were treated as four months ago. Just my opinion. Uh, okay. Coralie says, um, Jesse Schwartz. Oh, hey, Jesse. Thanks for being on. Jesse, Jesse, anything you want to pop in and help us? Uh, I would love to hear what you got to say about that. Jesse says, time for K-12 to biohazard training. Exactly. Exactly. I agree 100%, Jesse. Uh, Jesse has a, um, uh, a science background. So where Jesse's perspective comes from is, is fantastic. And I've known Jesse for a while, and he's always been working on trying to create environmental programs and educational programs for children. And I, you know, a lot of us agree in conservation that the adults are, you know, you may win some over, you may not, doesn't matter. The kids are where it's at because they're going to grow up with a different set of circumstances. You know, um, my grandparents grew up with a different set of circumstances and a different relationship to the government than, than I grew up with a certain set of circumstances in relationship to the world around me. And, you know, the, I don't have kids, but, you know, my if I were to have grandkids, they would grow up with a separate relationship. So it's always an evolving thing, you know, and that's why it's really important that we can plant in these children's minds the idea that the earth is important and let them work outward from that that seed. Um, Coralie says recently called EPA about an asbestos filled house. They told me an individual is allowed to demolish it. And I explained where they were dumping it illegally. Nothing was investigated. The arrogance of the ignorant does not make me happy. Coralie, that's amazing to hear about. Um, you know, and that is, it's terrible. Look, in Los Angeles, it's the same problem. Because they don't want to burden landlords with a financial burden in LA, all they have to do is put up a sign that says, warning, this building is known to cause cancer. Warning, this building is known to cause cancer. I, you know, it just trips me out because I moved here and I thought, well, I mean, they have that on there, but obviously they wouldn't let us in buildings where you could get cancer from. And lo and behold, four years ago, I get my first tumor. So, you know, it's a very crazy thing. Asbestos, and here's the thing, everybody, let's remember that asbestos and lead were things that were considered fine. DDT was considered fine by our governments. So remember that it takes activists that go around, do water temp, uh, testing, do testing. It takes brave uh, doctors that are willing to connect environmental conditions to illnesses, which most doctors do uh, due to mostly insurance reasons, actually kind of shy away and are afraid to do. Very challenging for me personally, as somebody that's trying to push for changes in how uh, environmental pollution cancers are dealt with. A lot of cancers today are hybrid. Nobody even knows where they come from. And, you know, they're coming from our pollution. They're coming from our environment. And we have the, we have the, we have the ability to connect the dots, but because of legal reasons and because of uh, everybody being afraid of being liable in court, those reasons are never pursued and we are never actually given the opportunity to understand those. And that's not very, very fair for us. Um, so let's see. Oh, I missed a couple comments there. Uh, Megan was saying, oh, okay, Megan, I'm in healthcare and I'm working to help find a way essential sterile products can be made with eco-friendly products. Oh, Megan, thank you for that. So hard being an environmentalist in nursing. Thank you. Thank you for, on, for both sides of that, for defining and viewing the world with both of those filters. 
Uh, that's got to be difficult. I'm, you know, I, I can't wait. I, I know that, look, the medical community, if there's a community that can do it, it's the medical community. They're the ones that are always finding ways to innovate safety, innovate health. Um, and, and Megan, please stay safe out there. Thank you for being out there. And thank you for going to bat for us. I know it's not easy. Um, and again, the plastic is, is so essential on so many levels for so many people. But what if it was only given to the hospitals or people that had uh, home nursing? You know, just throwing it out there. I mean, do we really need to have it? Our sodas in it, <laughs> right? I mean, do we really need a bag made out of plastic? We got, we got bags made out of everything in the world now. So do we need it? Do we need it? Again, you know, the mantra of, of all conservationists and environmentalists is reuse, reduce, recycle. Reuse, you know? It's got more life than just your momentary need for a thing. So your momentary need for a thing doesn't define the lifespan of the thing. Let's get away from that. Um, it's, it's a sickness in our mentality that comes from just a bit too much consumerism. You know, um, we can't, it's not that way. Like it's wonderful we have freedom and the option to choose things, but let's not replace common sense with, but I want the option, you know. Um, we could all maybe give up a little and gain a lot. Now, I wanted to bring back that idea of the carbon calculator. What is your carbon footprint? Well, guys, after this website, I'm going to put the I'm going to put the website after the podcast, I'll put the website up for you. But there's actually a carbon calculator. You can go to shrinkthatfootprint.com. And it's kind of fascinating. They have a uh, an actual personalized carbon calculator. So, it's fascinating because I've always wondered what mine is. Um, and it comes through a few a few things that you do like Look, uh, calculations with electricity, natural gas, everything else. So uh, not for everybody, for sure, you know, um, it's a little bit difficult and it's not like it's a simple plug and play, although there probably has got to be one on the Internet. But it would be fascinating to find your carbon footprint and find ways that you can reduce it through your revolution of routine, your home, your everyday things that you, that you work on. Um, Jesse says, you're awesome. I was joking, though. Best to put some public policy together that allows us to deal with infectious disease without scaring the pants off our children. A pandemic early warning system, perhaps. Uh, Jesse, yes. Um, but no, I, I think your idea is right. I mean, again, to go back to what we talked about, um, taxes, compounded interest, uh, health, and environment, and environmental responsibility are five things that are not taught in school. And they're the, probably the five most important things that a, an adult deals with on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, so we really do need to change that approach. And it's not the educator's fault. You know, a lot of times educators are stuck with a particular system. But if we ask for more, and especially right now, the, the U.S. educational system um, has unfortunately been uh, defunded heavily and then been pushed to get into private schools. And private schools are allowed to push private politics. So you find that children are being weaponized, politically weaponized early on. And that's another whole thing. Um, but again, we got to say no more of letting our environment be politicized. It's not a political weapon. You know, uh, I know everybody gets sick of me saying this. Do not 
look at the environment through your political party, but judge your politicians through the lens of the environment. Because that is, again, that's a two-pronged approach. One, what you buy. Two, who you vote for. And three, the revolution of routine and how you live your day, day to day. For example, um, something very, very small that I just learned about that I thought was fascinating is tire pressure. Did you know that if you keep your tires uh, the correct tire pressure, that you are also saving the earth. If you keep your tires properly inflated, you're gonna reduce your carbon footprint. Again, I don't know what mine is. None of us do. We all just use the words. Let's try to look, let's Google it and let's see. I'd like everybody to try to find their carbon footprint and <laughs> see, see if we can. If the math isn't too like beautiful mind um, and, and, and how, how we do, you know, we all try our best. But if you just keep your tires inflated properly, you reduce it by 20 pounds for each gallon of gas that you save. And you save gallons of gas by keeping your tire properly inflated. So it's all these little attentions to detail. Um, changing your car's air filter regularly can make a big difference. One big thing, replace those incandescent light bulbs with those CFLs. Get, get rid of those old ones. That will reduce your carbon footprint by 450 pounds a year. Way bigger than your tires, but I'm just saying these little things in your house and your day-to-day -day routine affect the environment around us without even having to do anything. We can just be activists just by living. Um, and that's beautiful. You know, we don't have to, to do it any other way. Uh, carpool if you can, obviously. Uh, uh, use environmentally friendly, non-toxic cleaning products. All those cleaning products go back into our water supply. A lot of people push for vinegar there's a lot of vinegar-based cleaning solutions that are just vinegar and water, really. I, I clean most of my stuff with vinegar and water, and you eliminate a lot. Um, Simple Green is another fantastic non-toxic that I use because I don't want Marty to um, lick up toxic stuff, you know? Um, so you gotta be really careful. Uh, recycle paper, plastics, glass. If you reduce your garbage by 10%, which meaning that, again, if you're thinking about the Reduce, right? We got the reuse. We talked about recycling and stuff. Reduce. And, re, uh, and the, this one is, so if you're going to reduce, if you reduce your garbage by 10%, you can, that reduces your carbon footprint by 1,200 pounds a year. So if you just stop buying so much throwaway stuff, you keep your, your tires fine, right? You switch to um, the CFL bulbs or the LED bulbs. You have reduced your carbon footprint by almost 2,000 pounds a year. Now, I don't know exactly what 2,000 pounds of carbon footprint is in relation to like what we all have, but I mean, just imagine, it, it adds up. It just adds up. So remember, everything we do affects the world around us. We're not, um, you know, we're not, we're not uh, aside from it. So just think about that. You know, donate your old clothes. Again, it comes back to, a lot of us having these polyester fibers that are plastics, <clears throat> and we don't think about it as being plastic, we think about it as being cloth and shirts and stuff. So, you know, they're gonna be around forever. Give them to somebody else. Especially right now in this economy, you know, re re repurposing is very important. There's always people that can use our help. Um, you know, if you can change all your bills to just online billing, don't get any more bills in the mail. I don't know who gets bills in the mail anymore, but 
stop, <laughs> please stop. You don't need it in the, in the mail. You know, you just don't need it in the mail. I mean, I know some people are just used to that, but that's a lot of, of, of paper. Um, you know, the paper can be 100% post-consumer. And I think, again, one of the more really important things that we talked about that uh, may have been overlooked in one of the other ones is your toilet paper. Your toilet paper is used to destroy the forest. And some of the most important popular toilet papers, these are how they were rated with sustainability. And this is because Kirkland actually is one of the leading causes of deforestation in Canada's boreal forest. And the boreal forest is actually a forest. It's if you think about it, if you look at the um, the North Pole, the boreal forest is a forest. It's like a region of forests all around the world, uh, Russia, you know, all the areas that are in that same latitude, uh, including Canada. And that, that's a type of forest that it contains some of the most biodiverse areas in the world. And in Canada, it's being destroyed by Costco for toilet. Um, now you get an A on the, some of the good ones to use, um, seventh generation, Trader Joe's 365. Now the reason that they use the toilet paper from fresh tree is to get what's called virgin pulp and virgin pulp makes the toilet paper, uh, just a little bit softer. So you'll notice in the D and F categories, it says soft, sustainably soft. <laughs> That's a joke. Um, Soft, soft, soft and strong. Angel soft, right? So anything that uses the word soft means it's made with virgin pulp, which means that it was taken from a brand new tree, which means it led directly, not even indirectly, but directly to the destruction of the boreal forest in Canada. So these are important choices to make. Okay, the NRDC did a whole thing about what toilet paper we can use. And in case you missed it, we did a whole podcast on it. Um, but remember, if you are buying Cottonelle, you are unfortunately, and you know, you're not a bad person, but your choice is part of the ongoing justification for the destruction of one of the most important biodiverse areas in the world. So remember revolution through routine, change your toilet paper up. Don't forget also one other thing about toilet paper is the toilet paper in that DNF section had not only do they use virgin pulp, but their processing uses um, chlorine and bleach. And the bleach itself creates dioxin. And this gets into your blood system by using it, by it touching your skin. And then when you flush it, it goes into the water. And so you're releasing cancer causing dioxins through your toilet paper without even realizing it because you're choosing to use um, a, a particular brand that is do, using unsafe practices. And it just makes it a little, you know, I, I don't even know, you know, and a lot of them say they use not, uh, they don't use the, uh, the bleach anymore, but they use a, it's kind of a trickery with words. A lot of those companies in that DNF, Kirkland, Cottonelle, AngelSoft, all use the same bleaches. And it is very bad for your health. And it's bad for the environment's health. And you probably never thought about it. If you're like me, you don't think about that part of the choice when you're buying toilet paper. Um, so anyway, that was just a few things that I wanted to go over with you guys and give everybody just an idea about how important it is that we live our day to day as an eco Roomba. You know, we it's revolution through routine. We try to change things the best way that we can every day while looking forward to the future and how we can change them as well. 
And, you know, and really that's the other thing is some, um, if you live as you are, you'll inspire others, you know, just be it. You don't have to go around preaching it. You know, I mean, I know it probably sounds absurd because I just spent an hour talking about it, but this is a podcast. So it's kind of, it's not, you know, it's what we're doing, but we're all talking about it right now. It's really important. Make that conversation happen. If you're talking to somebody and they say, you know, um, oh, well, what about, you know, I just want this or that perfect opportunity to say, you know what? I just found this out. It's really incredible. Every time you have a possible conflict with somebody, turn it into an opening for a conversation. Remember, points of conflicts are just doors that can open for conversations. Don't, you know, don't get defensive. Don't buck up. Listen to what somebody has to say. And remember that all of us need to re-educate ourselves as a higher, on a higher way, because our education mostly came from an understanding that people had in the 40s and 50s. I mean, that's where my education came from in, in elementary school and high school. All the knowledge that was accepted at the time came from then. And if we can think about all the stuff that they didn't know back then, we can, you know, for example, the internet, <laughs> they didn't even conceive of it. So, you know, we, we have a different world and we need to re-educate ourselves to live within the world of what we have and to live within the resources that we have, which are not endless. And that's a, a thinking of yesteryear that we have to destroy because otherwise, you know, we're not going to have it tomorrow. Um, we have to change. And it's, you know, it's a problem because we have to consistently update the past. And it's hard um, because we want to hold on to our traditions, but we cannot let our traditions become hurdles to changes for the future. You know, uh, one great example of that is Chinese medicine. Just to bring it back to the coronavirus, if, uh, you know, one of, one of the most, one of the most treated endangered animals, the penguin. And the penguins are very popular in the wild markets, especially over in Asia. And the penguins are transported, they're smuggled, um, they create a huge black market, they are slaughtered at an insane rate. And they, um, you know, nobody really even knows about the penguin unless you're already involved in conservation. So we need to bring in new conversations. We need new voices, new conversations. We need to know about these things. You know, when people talk about Corona, don't let them get away with side skirting the fact that it's a zoonotic, that it started with animals, that it comes from our abuse of nature. It comes from our attempt to try to control nature and nature has its own ways of fighting back always. And this is not the first time, it won't be the last time. But let's at least try to use every time people talk about Corona, and I know it's putting people's anxiety through the roof, and I know it's making people very uh, upset because we're all stuck and everybody has a lot of questions on what's happening tomorrow. But remember that we have these wonderful um, opportunities to talk and, you know, as I always say, it's our world. Let's talk about it. So anyway, I just want to say thank you, everybody, um, for being here with me on Earth Day. It's a very special day. I know all of us love the Earth and the nature around us. Um, you know, I really, uh, it's an incredible day. And I want to thank everybody for being on today with me and talking about all these different topics. If you have any really good links that you'd like to share with us, please put them in the comments section so that everybody has access to them. Um, I want to, you know, to, to share that with everybody. I'm going to put a couple links of these resources 
And I just want to share with everybody these wonderful resources in this time of questions. If you have resources, you can educate yourself. The more educate yourself, the less afraid you'll be of what's out there, the more you'll be able to operate from a level, not of fear or worry, but of a level of confidence. And you know what? Even though we're all still locked in and we got the coronavirus, let's not stop talking about the environment, the environment we abused that fought back and smacked us back. And here we are. Let's learn about it. <laughs> okay, okay, Mother Earth, we are listening now. So I just want to say happy Earth Day, everybody. Um, you know, it, I've got a few new things coming up. So I know that the podcast has been bouncing around like crazy. We're going to get back onto a solid schedule now. I've been thinking about, you know, I've been, I've, that's what we did one today. I wanted to do more of them because we're all kind of stuck at home. And it's nice to have this online community. It's, it's, it's my online family. And so I love being able to do these and seeing everybody's, you know, names pop up and hearing what everybody has to say. And because uh, everybody's input is so valuable into understanding something on a higher level. You know, if, if you don't take in everyone's input, you walk out with the same perspective. And if you walk out with the same perspective, you weren't listening. And if you weren't listening, you weren't learning. And, you know, we, we need to remember to listen to our what we consider our opponents. You know, um, the people, it really is the Will Rogers thing, right? That a stranger is just a friend you haven't met yet. We have to remember that our considered quote-unquote opponents in this quote-unquote fight um, for environmentalism is just a false thing. They're not our opponents. They're not people we have to fight against. They're just people that never thought about it from our perspective. And we didn't think about it from our perspective until somebody opened up that door. So open up that door for somebody and don't be afraid to, to be positive and look at a positive change for everybody. Um, so my mom says, uh, another wonderful program. Aw. And uh, for education and doing other things. Oh, thanks, mom. Yeah, fact-based conservation. Very important. We have to remember that our emotions are always going to be riding high. None of us ever want to see a sick child or a hurt animal. Um, that's something that, you know, people share even that aren't on our side of the conservation story. So let's remember that everybody is a person and let's find ways to build bridges, not walls, because the walls aren't going to help us. Um, walls never keep anything out and a wall can go two ways. A wall can not only keep other things out, but it can stop you from being able to get out. So um, if you're going to build some walls, you're just going to box in your own brain and it's just not going to happen. So only thing we owe it to our world around us to build bridges, learn from each other. You know, people say, how did you learn about all these topics? Because I just talked to a lot of fascinating people. I don't know much about these topics, but I know people that spend their lives on each one of these topics and that's their life, you know, and we all have a passion and we can all learn from each other. So Bruce, thanks for being here. Happy Earth Day to you. I'm really glad to see you see you on here. You're always so positive and it's always great to see you uh, on our show. And Megan, I appreciate um, you being on as well and thank you and I appreciate all your work and inspiration. And I, you know, I'd like to talk to you more about that medical, medical advancements. I think that's a very fascinating thing. Um, I'm, you know, we were going to get more into that, I think, in some upcoming uh, episodes as well. And, you know, I also want to do a few new series on some of the, um, the animals that were, that were, that were that we can take a look at from a positive perspective. But we're going to try to turn everything positive this year, you know. We're going to try to fight all this hate out there with love. So we can do it together because together we have a giant heart. Anyway, thanks everybody for being on here. Happy Earth Day to everybody. I hope you guys have a wonderful, wonderful